You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hi. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And today, it's happened. I feel like there's been a lot of uh, it's finally happenings here. And this one, gosh, we're going to discuss Intensive Care by Macronympha. Certainly one of our most requested episodes since day one. I wish we had an air horn. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously one of the biggest and most important American noise artists of the 90s. Intensive care being almost a manifesto for Macronympha. So we are excited to discuss it. We also have some insight directly from Joe Romer that we will be relaying throughout the episode. So not only will you hear what we have to say about it, you will also hear what Joe himself has to say about intensive care. But before we get into that, you know we got to do some recent listening. It's been a while. Gray, what have you been listening to? So much stuff that I have forgotten a lot of it just because we we've been kind of focusing on other things for our episodes and during the conversation episodes we don't really do a recent listening and of course during our recent Atrax Morgue episode we did some recent viewing which I always love because it's October you got to watch some horror movies absolutely mm-hmm. but gosh where to start uh, with maybe this body carve three-inch CDR, which was a sort of demo show-only thing he made, uh, I think, 15 copies of, and I managed to get my hands on one recently, and I'm uh, just a really big body car fan, and this was the final piece missing from my collection, so I'm very happy to have it, and it uh, I listened to it, I think, five times in a row. <laughs> it's a three-inch, so it's nice and short, but I just kept hitting play on it over and over again. Uh, so that's that's some good stuff. Another thing I listen to numerous times in a row is Le Testament de la Lumière, Der Tod ist ein Treuer Kamerad. This is a sort of dark ambient CD, little death industrial, little neoclassical vibe on it uh, from Dark Vinyl. And I was completely unfamiliar with this, but it was recommended by Jim Rose to me when we uh, we had a a conversation about dark vinyl CDs a while back and mm-hmm. we're both uh, kind of nerding out over our love for the label and a lot of the great underrated CDs they put out and he recommended this one which I found uh, cheap here in the US and, and grabbed because I was unfamiliar with it and I'm glad I did because this one also just stayed in the CD player which I don't normally do that but I've been working on a lot of stuff in the studio here and sort of I finally got cable in from my cable supplier so i've been making contact mics left and right which means a lot of time sitting in the studio and which means a lot of time to listen to some great noise another thing i listened to recently is the heavy electronics 2 4 cd set from tesco which has uh, uh, tesco disco i think is actually the proper title but anada anenza failure condom and the gray wolves and satori from yes. a two-day festival in 1995, October wow. of 95, actually. 
So. I'm pretty sure that when we talked with Lapke back in, at the hospital for us, he said that would be his pick if he were to be a guest on the episode, if I'm not mistaken. I've had this for years, but somewhere along the way in numerous moves and what have you, I lost the booklet that came with it. All the CDs are separate in a binder. And a friend recently obtained a copy of this and passed it on to me. So I have the complete thing again, which is very exciting. Sick. And it's live material, but so great to hear these projects in 95 playing killer sets. I've always loved the Satori set, and this was my introduction to them. I, I later picked up the Infect CD, but I'm still, it's still a project I'm not super well versed in. Uh, Condom and Grey Wolves, obviously just playing a ton of great material. They did some other collaborations around that time, like the Holy Communion uh, double CDR on Nuit Ibriard, who did the uh, Fatal Impact cassette that we talked about many moons ago. Another great one to pull oh, yeah. out this season, actually. And I got the new Death Throws Exhumed cassette on Terminal Industries Unlimited. And this is Ryan Jenks of Sixes and Garrett Whitmer of, well, Garrett and Misanthropic Agenda. Uh, beautiful looking tape, nice paper, nice full tape shell labels with the circles cut out. I don't know who does that on all their tapes, but apparently Ryan did. And it just looks really nice with the- it's generous. Great Xerox, uh, lost recordings by Garrett Whitmer and Ryan Jenks between 2006 to 2009 in Oakland and Los Angeles, found in 2016 and edited in 2019. And this was mastered by Scott Arford. So nice, weird variety of harsh noise and everything in between. Not sort of what I expected from Death Throws, given that I've seen a good number of their performances and heard a bunch of the releases, but different and varied and quite interesting. And I think that's probably enough for now. I'm sure there'll be more scattered throughout the next episodes. Sounds good. Well, we've mainly been listening to a lot of stuff that was part of our October episodes. So most people are pretty up to date with what we've been listening to. So we're <laughs> going to go ahead and let a listener give their reasons. Hey, what's up, Noise Extra crew? This is Shay Hardacre, also coming to you from sunny Los Angeles. I uh, heard the call on your Patreon uh, looking for listener recent listens. First and foremost, Heat Signature, Brain on War from Dada Drumming. Everyone is already talking about this. I'm not even going to get into it. It is an incredible tape. We all know packaging is perfect. Perfect military pouch, just like Anthony Saunders was talking about in his episode. Uh, just great exploratory, harsh noise. Much more exploratory than the other Heat Signature material, which leads me to the next tape that I had jammed, which was Heat Signature Disguised Human Presence. Uh, I believe this was one of the first releases. This was a self-release version in a nice big VHS clamshell. I'm going to open it right now in front of, of the microphone for a little noise ASMR. There we go. Nice big box. Got an awesome insert inside. It's got a nice uh, Norelco J card all printed on that sort of light beige craft stock that is sort of become a signature of heat signature. Uh, excellent aesthetics from Luke Tandy. Perfect wartime military vibes. Simple blown out Xerox 
style manipulation. Cool insert pasted to the inside. The material on this one is just harsh, harsh and vicious. Less exploratory than uh, that brain on war tape, but is just full on balls to the wall, American harsh noise, constant changes in tones and texture. It is always moving, always shifting, always churning, always in the red. It is a, a constant barrage of machine gun fire. They're such an incredible duo, Luke Tandy and Brad Griggs, and Heat Signature is by far one of my favorite current contemporary harsh noise acts. There is a CD edition of this release from White Centipede Noise. I also recently just got a box of four contemporary harsh noise sets uh, released by Luke on Skeleton Dust Recordings. This was and is a series where Luke pairs four artists on uh, two tapes uh, in wonderful old school dead stock white clamshells, double cases. Three through six, which would be convenience, apathy, urbanization, and materialism. They all have an interesting name. Each of them have four artists. Uh, convenience features Hostage Pageant, Kelly Churko, Obstacle Corpse, and Wrong Hole. Apathy features Blood, very much like our records style name. Um, Brad Griggs, who is obviously a part of Heat Signature, Vest Botin, and then Vast Glory. Urbanization features Government Alpha, Grixigal, Heinz Hoff, and Sisters. Amazing lineup, Materialism. This was the most recent one. Uh, this has Legless, Vocamulus, KM Topfer, and Wolf Creek. After those harsh forays, uh, I also got in a box from Matt Weinberg, uh, who has a project called Betontage. Betontage. Uh, that is one that I, like Connolly, will uh, not be able to pronounce. First was Betontage Hollow Floor uh, from Strange Material, uh, which was, I believe, his label uh, with Andy. Um, I'm forgetting Andy's last name. He plays in um, Passion Altar with his project uh, and played in Ilmestis. Black metal band. Um, and then as well, Betentage Architecture and Sensuality, uh, which was released on Male Activity, which is uh, Brent. I forget his last name. He's got a project, BP. Um, Male Activity is a cool label as well. All of this stuff is sort of a Canadian-based variety of sounds. But uh, Matt's project is firmly rooted in tape music, music concrete, harsh atmospheres, interesting sound sources, Sound collage, um, uh, maybe uh, Dillaway or Weiss would be some immediate comparisons, but funneled through contemporary harsh noise, there are periods when it gets more harsh. Um, I'm excited to explore more. I have some other pro uh, tapes from him, um, so having this big stack is really cool, and I'm excited to, to jam a few more of those. Uh, all right, thanks, everybody. Thank you for that, listener. And just a reminder... If you're a patron of our podcast, you are welcome to send us your recent listening for future on-air reading. Please do. Absolutely. And also, just a reminder, a few people have asked me about this. When you are a patron for the extra content on our regular episodes, you can listen to the entire episode in one go using the Patreon feed. Mm -hmm. While we say in the episode we're going to hop over to the Patreon you you don't actually have to do the same. You can listen to it all in one straight listen. 
a few people had asked me about that. So I just wanted to clear that up. And if you don't want to listen on the webpage using it that way, you can add the RSS feed to your podcast platform of choice. You get a private RSS feed with your subscription and you're able to listen there. So you could stop paying attention to the main feed if you just want the Patreon episodes with all their extra content, or you could say sub to both. That's that one's up to you. Exactly. And for today's extra segment, we're going to hear some more of what Gray has been listening to and watching because he is going to fill us in on the recent Ruinous Resound shows that he went up to the Bay Area to see. So that is going to be today's extra segment. And before we get into intensive care, a quick word from our sponsors. In the field of power electronics and related genres, Thomas Garrison's control exemplifies the upper echelon in terms of sound, quality of output, and respect. In September of 2021, Thomas was diagnosed with stage 2 prostate cancer. While a GoFundMe was launched almost immediately, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Thankfully, many of Thomas's peers have shown additional support by creating exclusive tracks for a benefit compilation. Beside You in Strength features exclusive tracks by Nod, and Nile, Like Weeds, Vitriol Gauge, Straight Panic, Hive Mind, Auditor, Subclinic, Grunt Splatter, Theologian, Sickness, Murderous Vision, Wilt, Swollen Organs, The Vomit Arsonist, Cocky SP, The Law Raw Collective, Envenomist, TEF, Filth, Compactor, Isloscope, Purgist, Hollow Earth, Cistrenitis, Thoabath, Elcare, and Xiphoid Dementia. Available Friday, November 5th at cathonicstreams.bandcamp.com. Reminder, buying it on that day means more money goes to Thomas. Intensive care. This is a definitive Macronympha record to me. 1998, self-abuse records. Gruesome cover, gruesome back cover, which we will certainly talk about, and gruesome booklet. Uh, but it's that sort of gruesome for Macronympha, so it's the mixture of sex and death. And uh, this... There's never a bad time to listen to this record. And today falls into that category. It was not a bad time. It is 71 minutes long, very long by noise CD standards, I feel. And pushing the boundaries of the CD length. I mean, 74 was the standard until they figured out you could do 80 minutes, right? So nice and long and starts off with... I think my favorite macro song title ever. Oh, fucking my nurse in the dark parentheses after she gives me the morphine shot. Perfect macro title. Yeah. It immediately sets the stage for the oncoming 72 minutes of pure macro noise. I think this title, as well as a lot of the titles on the Government Alpha Split, are some of my favorite titles of the Macronympha discography. And this first track is heavily in the cut up, cut in, cut out 
style of macro. This first track is absolute sex, decay, and violence. And I think the violence even takes shape in the sheer amount of cuts you get in this. Like, hearing it, I just can't help but be in awe of the amount of work that went into making this track. That's, I think, very true of a lot of the macro cut-up stuff. It sounds worked in a great way and that's sort of the dividing line on these first two pieces and the second pieces on the disc is that the first two are in the cut up wild variety of macronympha tracks and the diversity on display within these tracks is really impressive because there's not one style of noise the cut up goes from all ranges there will be some sort of like more quiet ambient sounds more synthy outer space weird sounds full-on harshness a lot of stereo difference and given the length of these two pieces here this feels like a c90 thrown in the four track double speed half the length of that because of the you know four tracks using all all channels so that's why I think we see the 2337 here. This is a C90 in the four track. And one thing on display here is, I think, the four track and tapes. There is a lot of tape sound, tape manipulation in it, a lot of cuts, pauses, uh, tape scree, and also... A lot of this material, and I think with a lot of macro material, they used and reused sources. You hear that, and even it's noted on some things, like this is the source material from this thing reworked into this. I think that's a really strong suit, and one of those sort of production techniques that I feel is maybe a little bit lost to time. When we look in the liner notes, this is the macro lineup of Joe Romer and Tim Oliveira of Stimbox, with contributions from... Al Brentnall of Molest, Roger Stella, who's the other name synonymous with Macronympha, and Kazuhiro Matsuyama, or Crack Steel. So, all-star source material, and even after Roger was, even when Roger wasn't as active in Macronympha, his source material was still being used on releases. A lot of stuff that he and Joe had recorded. Exactly, and... Directly from Joe himself, he states that Roger had moved out to San Francisco at that time, and here's what he has to say about the process of intensive care. I had lots of macro source sounds, but I had to painstakingly construct the tracks. The edits were insane. I would stay up three days straight, shaping, building, layering, overdubbing, etc., and some of the results needed even more editing work. I think even Patrick Bitch wants to keep it moving forward. <laughs> But finally, I was satisfied with the end, and it stands as a favorite amongst macro fans as well as myself. Probably the last thing I ever did with over 100 cut-in edits per track. Now I prefer linear, non-multi-track recording. Just capture live. What's in the room? It makes sudden and full of surprises in the new work. I like that. And you really feel those edits, like you said, Gray, in these first two tracks. There's, it goes so many places that it's hard to get your bearings at first. The first thing you hear is 
pure macro crunch crumble. So you know immediately you're in macro land. And then you go on this wild cut up journey for these first two tracks. And truly the vision of Romer staying up for three days straight, editing, cutting up hundreds of cuts, like that's not an exaggeration. Like you just, if you know him, that is absolutely true. And you can hear every element of it. And it's this, this drive and passion and this completely unhinged devotion to it that I think is absolutely obvious in it. I just love it. This, this track is the red zone. He has stated that he was working on this while his father was in the hospital as seen on the back cover. And that idea of intensive care from that situation to the intensive care that he was taking with the noise, it all translates. And that staying up, dealing with a family member in the hospital and dealing with making this album, putting it all into what the final product will be. And really what a final product it is. This is peak macro and, and peak noise to me, 90s noise. This is really on the top of the heap. I find this to be a very inspiring record, and I think that the this first piece really does it. When I'm listening to it, I get excited. I want to make noise. I'm picking apart what's how it's being done, what's being done with it, and I'm also losing myself to the feeling of it. I, I texted the Noise Extra group chat. Anybody else headbanging while we were listening to it? Right. Because I'm in my house listening on my stereo, but this this recording moves me, and gives me that excitement, gives me those chills, has that such a sense of urgency and unexpectedness. Even when you've heard it a hundred times, it keeps pushing forward and keeps surprising you. And you can focus on all the different things cut into it. And like I said, reusing source material, reprocessing. And one thing that Joe says in his letter is in the room right? Talking about what he prefers more now, but this is also in the room because Definitely. this is amps. This is a, a dank basement and stale beer and crude electronics. And you hear it captured on these tapes. There's a feedback that you get that's only possible that way. There's these sounds and this atmosphere. And one thing, and I noted this on the second piece, flesh eating bacteria, that this work has an aura to it. It's it goes beyond atmosphere. This thing glows with a certain energy when you're listening to it. And that can't be said of many releases in the same context. Like this this shines in a special way. I like the way you put that. Mm -hmm. And one thing I'm always curious about, especially with a lot of the nineties artists, is if they're if they knew that what they were working on was going to be a full length CD, like a pure CD and how that affects their approach. And this is what Joe had to say. Yes. Intensive care was always meant to be our first solo CD with professional artwork, etc. I had released the split CD with government alpha in 94, 95. And even though we'd done vinyl and tapes, it was nice to get the deluxe treatment from self abuse for a CD release. So 
knowing that it is going to be a permanent professional CD absolutely entered into the work. It went balls to the wall on this one. It's yeah. awesome. Like I, I Macronympha always emphasizes intensity, but intensive care is absolute intensity. The flesh eating bacteria track. We're just grinding a machine in the noise dungeon. How that starts off that the wheels are just churning. It's flesh decomposing on living bone. This feels like a factory, like a machine. There, there is that feedback whine and this sort of gross rooting around, searching for something before it goes into this slow churn mixed with like frantic washing machine noise, just things being tumbled and tossed around. The noise is thrown about on this track. It's not always harsh, which is one of the things that I really like about this in macro when you think macro and you think harsh noise, but there are moments of more atmospheric and ambient passages in here. There's moments in the last piece, there's this sort of outer space warp sound of 14 minutes in, in fucking my nurse in the dark that is completely not what you would think of the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of macronympha, but it's there, it's present, and it's the juxtaposition of those sounds that keeps this moving forward and keeps it interesting. I think with macronympha, when you go back and listen to a lot of stuff and a lot of releases, you find yourself saying that a lot. This sound I don't oh wouldn't necessarily associate mm -hmm. with macro. Oh, this style wouldn't necessarily associate with the macro. But then you sort of realize, well, may, my perception has been maybe off for whatever reason. But I think noise that happens with noise a lot when you go back after a while and listen to something, it can surprise you. And I, I think it's because we do think of this as the most, you know, especially from like the U.S., the most like cranked up, wild primal sound and then when you go back i think the moments are so intense because you have these like twinkling beautiful segments that and then it hits you back yep. with that blast and it and everything is so turned up that when you hit those kind of more peaceful zones when you get that gorgeous atmospheric static as soon as you get blasted again it just makes it that much more potent like you you don't get bored at all in any moment like these two you know nearly 24 minute tracks and you know they they zip right by is it was that sound you were talking about that music box dying sound or was that a different because on the first track there's this yeah like six minutes in it sounds like there's this dying music box but it's this really beautiful sound that gets tangled and mangled and destroyed pretty quickly I didn't think music box uh, on that. And that's not the sound I'm talking about. The one in, gotcha. in the first piece is uh, around 14 minutes. Okay. To okay. My yeah. notes. But there's just such a nice variety of sounds and the stereo processing. Now, one thing I felt while listening to this is it isn't as loud as I remembered either in that it's some of the macro tapes. And, and I listened to this at plenty of volume as I tend to do. But some of the macro and Mother Savage tapes I've been listening to lately feel louder. Maybe it's the tape saturation, and maybe it's just the way it's being pushed. Maybe the mastering is a little bit different. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? 
it broke our CD player. Like we had to restart it several times. Yeah, it, I it, think it which really happened with, the hell out with of it. happened with your copy of Gallon Gravy. I yeah. believe you, you kept. Yeah, we actually had to restart it. It was it, it was it, crazy. It, like, it's it's even the actual physical disc contained too much noise power we when had it, to restart our player when it redlines on flesh eating back flesh eating bacteria uh on those on that super high segment it it just said no and then stopped <laughs> well maybe my stereo <laughs> handled it a little differently than yours did but yeah we, gallon our gravy. Stereo, our, yeah our stereo gave us the the gallon gravy yeah we got the gallon gravy treatment, yeah. <laughs> but uh i i do love that you know, Macro's not afraid to like blast some highs in your face. And listening to this again made me remember our our dachshund, Steve Perry, and how when we got to that portion, she would just run and hide. <laughs> this will make your pets go away. You need a little you need a little pet earplug for this CD for Absolutely. sure. We asked Joe what his path to noise was. And here's what he had to say. After being in a few punk bands in the 80s, I started buying some of the new solid-state distortions and effects available for guitar at the time. In a year or two, I had acquired items from Boss, Fender, Ibanez, and EH. I was always looking for super heavy and abrasive guitar tone. I had a court Les Paul copy. So I began fucking around and abusing them and my son Amp. I discovered some killer feedback tricks, etc. And by the time 8990 came, I was just stringing pedals together to do their own overload thing. Minus the guitar. When I moved to Pittsburgh in 87, Carnegie Mellon University had some insane radio shows, and I heard noise bands like K2, Merzbau, Incapacitance, Hydrokaiden, and more. Then I discovered Triple R and their Radical Records catalog. Saw U.S. bands like The Haters, Boy Dirt Car, Chop Chop, Illusion of Safety, and I recognized those electronic sounds. With Ron Lassard's help, I attacked the inventory of available releases insatiably. When I heard Le Syndicate, Entree Vips, the European style of music concrete type of noise construction, I flipped out and added all I learned from my listening to my own experience. However, as much as I loved Eric Lund's work and GX's aesthetic, parentheses, post-thriving gristle industrial, taken a few steps further, I was totally fucking forward when I heard Control Bleeding. More than anything, it was those early Japanese tracks I heard Plus Paul Lamos' work that shaped where I wanted to go. Great path there. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow! What a cool, <laughs> what a cool introduction and and way to get into this stuff. And I just like the thought of late '80s Romer and Ron. You know, just Ron filling orders and selling tapes to Romer. Oh to yeah, fuel totally. his insatiable noise lust. <laughs> That's <laughs> so good. <laughs> and, you know, I dare say that a Controlled Bleeding and Knees and Bones is one of my favorite Controlled Bleeding recordings. And I, I can hear some of that attitude on these two more in-the-moment pieces, Polygamic Cyst and Ruptured Spleen. There's sort of a constant that goes on through both of these. There's something that carries these pieces through while all kinds of other stuff is happening around it and to it. And they're a little more free form. They're not as meticulously edited or at least apparently as meticulously edited because there's a constant 
sort of stream and thread through each piece. But the noise is top quality and just immediately listenable and engaging to throw yourself into for 10 minutes or 14 minutes. But I can see the the Lemos attitude, especially some of their pieces where it is more scrap metal in the room, feeling that atmosphere, feeling the jam, feeling the recording session, being in the moment, being present and just smashing and bashing and throwing things around. And you picture that when you're hearing these, I picture things being thrown around. This is not delicate noise. This is not pedal caressing noise. This is hitting your amp with a piece of junk metal noise and, yeah. and maybe throwing your amp around the room while you're recording in one part of the room. you got a Walkman there or a microphone or something. It gives a way different feeling to the noise than direct in to an interface at your folding table. It's a different thing, a different entity, a different kind of noise. I'm not sure if that was just due to the time and where Joe was coming from. If just the production on four track and not having, I don't think of Romer as having a studio. I know that there's a, a corner part of a room or something where there's a bunch of stuff, maybe a basement, but I don't, it doesn't feel like, I guess what my idea of a home studio is. Well, Romer may not have what you would think of as a home studio, but he has the noise dungeon. And I've seen the noise dungeon. That is true. And it is exactly what you're picturing in your head. It's incredible. <laughs> it's overwhelming. I can't, I can't even yeah. hear a macro recording and not picture the dungeon. So let's hear about the noise dungeon. We started recording in the bedroom where the stereo equipment was. Then we moved to a large living room when we borrowed a reel-to-reel 8-track. Soon after was when the live show started. We were so inspired by K2's use of junk metal to create sounds with reverberating echoes, as well as others who use power tools and metal, that we managed to find a junkyard with over a thousand pounds of old boilers, HVAC tunnels, grates, barrels, etc. <laughs> this is so great, by the way. It's awesome. We managed to talk to the owner into delivering the stuff to our show at the Beehive, <laughs> which we used to wreak havoc during an early memorable show. Once we finished, we loaded up the dump truck back up with the metal by tossing it off the roof and into the huge iron bed. The guy brought it all to my house and we set it up all over my basement laundry room so we could beat it, pound it, contact mic it, and use the several sound textures to create noise. Also in the dungeon, we hung up Black & Decker rip saw blades to hammer on. Besides all the different metal, we had grinding motors mounted onto a steel plate to record, and I had an old dryer and washing machine that were in rough shape. So I began loading it up with old shoes, rocks, tin cans, and ball bearings. The total accumulated cacophony from all that percussion and sound was intense. Add in the sound for my AC unit and furnace kicking on randomly. <laughs> then bang, wow, the dungeon earned its name. 
there's still blood on the floor. <laughs> yes. That is amazing. And uh, I said during flesh eating bacteria washing machine because it. Yep. It, it mm-hmm. is. That's that is so perfect. And uh, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing the noise dungeon. I'm a little envious. Connolly, I have to admit. But I can hear it. I can hear yeah. it in these pieces. I can hear the scrap metal hanging. I can. I thought you were going to say Black and Decker uh, posters. I was thinking just like <laughs> some advertising posters up in the wall. But I feel like there's probably porn. There's actually spray paint where it says Mother Savage, and then also at one point it says RRR. Just giant spray paint. That's, <laughs> oh, that's so great, great, right? That is Triple so R great. Tag. Yeah, and, and I do associate Macronympha with metal that could hurt you. I think of engines or saw blades or chainsaws with dull chains. A hundred percent would imagine that people have been injured recording this. And actually the name Mother Savage comes from the Dossier 2 compilation on the label Dossier out of Germany. A 1989 compilation with Frontline Assembly, Compound, Delirium, Jeff Grinke, Chrome, Control Bleeding, Munch wow. and the Wasp Factory. Very cool. Gonna that have to get our hands great. on that comp. Yeah. And the there's a compound track called Mother Savage on it. So that is where Joe got the name. So sick. Now, Tara, you hypothesized that you felt possibly that molest contributions could have been part of these last two tracks. I mean, I, it really feels like the atmosphere that molest, that swirling, scraping, smooth atmosphere, but especially on ruptured spleen. Yeah. And again, I think it's up for anyone's interpretation or guess. There's obviously so much that goes into all these tracks, but I did hear what you were saying. Mm-hmm. When and you, Crack Steel can do that too. Definitely. And but- I, and I think. I really hear what you're saying with that. I think the atmosphere, especially on the, the, the final two tracks, I can see that molest atmosphere. Yeah. And I I really enjoy the way this flows from the first two, like frenetic wild tracks. And, you know, it shifts down into something that's still wild, but it changes its tone. And, when you pair it with the titles, polygamic cyst, ruptured spleen, flesh-eating bacteria, fucking my nurse, everything is so body-focused. It's so visceral. Like the sounds you, like the metal you hear makes you have a visceral response. The sounds you hear are so visceral. And when you pair it also with the album artwork, there's a page of skulls and a, a dead body who is severely in decay and a bloated body that's beyond decomposed and about to explode and rotting testicles and hands and, and a computer board and yeah, and a computer board and a burn victim and then a bleached asshole and an upskirt shot, a bondage nurse, like all of these things are just so Joe Romer, but also just so just connecting you with, the body and decay. And I'm sure all of those things that he was going through as his father was in the hospital, like making you think of death, making you think of life, making you think of sex, making you think of all of those body events that affect us as people. 
speaking of death, we wanted to ask Joe what death meant to him. The end, the big sleep, no afterlife, no resurrection, no second chances. If you did well in life, it's on the record for eternity. If you fucked up and wasted opportunities, left dreams unfulfilled, and died unsatisfied, it's your fault and yours only. Pleasure, debauchery, and hedonism is all right here for the taking. Death is a welcome respite from the collision course of life. We should welcome it and not fear it. Beavis and Budhead have it right. Life sucks, then you die. Life does and can suck. But if you have the will, strength, and perseverance, it can be molded into a legacy and an experience to be proud of. Hell yeah, Joe. Uh, yeah, if you do well in life. Well, Joe, intensive care is on the record for eternity. It absolutely mm-hmm. is. Gray, what would you say is your favorite track on the record? I thought I knew when I was listening to it. I really did. It changes. But uh, all, all four, is that an okay answer? I think that's okay. Yeah. I think you can say that. You know what? You can say it. Yeah, I think they all work so well together that the album as a whole really does it. If I... No, I don't. I I'm, I keep try, I'm trying to pick and I can't pick. So where I'm going to leave it at that. What about uh, what about Connolly's favorites? I know Tara's got a star next to one of them. I would. Yes, she does. <laughs> I would have to say Polygamic Cyst might be my favorite. Though I love that beginning of in the junk metal junks dungeon of ruptured spleen. Uh, ruptured spleen is my favorite today. I'm sure it'll change. I mean, you know, sometimes you need the bombastic decaying violence. Um, especially I enjoy that when I'm stuck in traffic and I just blast it as loud as possible. And it feels like the appropriate soundtrack of, of what my mind is going through being confined to a car in a long line of cars. But, uh, yeah, today ruptured spleen is where I'm feeling. And also it has the the sample. It begins with a sample, That's which right. is the, the only apparent, vocal sample on um, the album. Yeah. Greg, do you recall some of the first macro that you ever heard? This was among it because it was available when I was getting into this stuff. Uh maybe the Noise War compilation was an early one. Uh, Joel St. Germain had let me borrow that way back when. And I ordered a special edition version of the Macro Incapacitance seven inch split. Oh, very cool. early on, and so I've had that one forever. In fact, I don't know if you remember when Macro Info played No Fun Fest. They had shirts that had that cover on it. It was like an iron on, and the cover of that seven inch is a. But it's basically both seven inch covers side by side on a t shirt. I still have it somewhere. I'm so jealous. We, I lost mine. Yeah, we had some of those iron on shirts. I had no idea where they are. Sticky. I had a pink one. A friend actually <laughs> just recently sent me a picture of him in one, and it reminded me of those. I had forgotten about those iron on shirts, and I had no idea. Where yeah, mine. Ours mine are. was baby was, pink, yeah, and yeah, it yours had, was great. Yeah, and it had like I don't even remember what people covers in pornography. Ours. It was great. Yeah, I don't remember what covers our shirts no. even were. Yeah, but mine, they, it was great. What a set that was, huh? Oh yeah, 
if you know the Incaps Macro Seven H two, you know that that shirt is just a oh yeah a bondage on one half and a, a butthole on the other half. So it's a very it's a crowd pleaser. It sure is ah. the first macro I ever came across was m- most likely the Macro Government Alpha CD obliteration. Probably first heard it on Japanese American Noise Treaty. Would have been maybe the first track. It's a slightly hazy, but that would have been the the one I remember the most being the first was the Macro Government Alpha obliteration cd which to this day still cherish and what's great about that cd is it comes with a sticker and a friend of the podcast once saw that i had put that sticker on the dashboard of a van and he was in absolute shock that i would use the sticker put it on a van (laughs) it was it was a shocking moment to him and he couldn't believe I would do something like that. I will say I have since gotten a version with the sticker intact. So we actually have two versions, one with the sticker and one without oh, the good. sticker. You got you a know, play copy and an archive copy. That's very exactly, important. Exactly. In the early exactly. days, if you gave us a sticker, we're going to use it. We will immediately I, use it. We will run home and stick it to something. It was. There's two know. types of people. There's people who you can give them a sticker and they'll put it on something, and there's people who you got to give at least two stickers to so they can we'll put save it, it. So they can <laughs> well, save yeah. one in the archive and put one on something. I'm kind of the latter, unfortunately. Okay. Well, now what if we're the people that take the sticker, don't take the back off, and and double sided, uh, removable tape it to something? That's fair game. You know, okay. I think of half and half in, half out. I think of you when I think of the government alpha macronympha. CD Connolly. That's yes, one hundred percent a bonded association in my brain. That is, yeah, that's like your CD. I think we the first time I was ever in your van, we also listened to it. I'm sure we did, and which was certainly would have been. I would have shown it to Tara early on. Yeah, I, is, I of course remember is, intensive care though. It's a yeah. it's so iconic. You don't forget looking at this CD. I mean, again, it was yet another early thing that Mike and I listened to together and I was like every release you own has an asshole on it it is true and and that is no exception for this because here we are right there there is no there's holding it up but you've all got Google (laughs) it's it's burned in all of our brains as we say all the time (laughs) if you don't own this haven't heard this we're jealous because you get Mm -hmm. to discover it and hear it for the first time. It's and attainable. you can go to selfabuserecords.net and buy a copy directly from the label that released it. Yes. Absolutely. Joe gave us a ton of info and I guess we're just going to have to do another macro episode someday to get all of this info out of it would be this would be the longest marathon app ever. So we will have this and you know hey we're gonna be here forever so guess what we're gonna do another macro oh good i'm so glad we broke the seal and now we can continue because truly he gave us so much information and it's amazing and we really want to get it out there i will would like to note that he writes in all caps which is so good and what i would expect it is that level of just intensity So we thought appropriate way to end this regular episode 
would be to hear from Joe on what he believes noise can do that other music can't. Take you on a strange, unfamiliar journey, both in your mind and physically. You can imagine so many mechanisms, actions, scenes of a film that is yet unmade, the power of what's in your head. It can penetrate your viscera, shake your guts, move your bowels, it's that brown frequency, and give you a cathartic release you cannot get by beating the shit out of a drum or a guitar strings. It's sexy beyond sex. I think that sums it up for Joe. Thank you so much for the info. And now, everybody, go throw on intensive care and see what strange, unfamiliar journey it takes you on. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.